0: chapter twenty-four of the lady of the basement flat by mrs george de horn vesey this LibriVox recording is in the public domain it's a queer world edward hallet and charmian charmian and edward hallet the combination of those two names struck me dumb oh it was madness the most inconceivable the most preposterous madness and yet and yet the more i thought the more the links seemed to fit in he was of the right age the right nationality the few words of description which had fallen from her lips applied accurately to his appearance i went home and sat in stunned silence staring into space i went to bed and lay awake for hours still pondering still puzzling i rose in the morning and wandered about the flat like a lost dog unable to work unable to rest unable to eat by evening i was in such a state of nerves that it seemed impossible to endure the suspense a moment longer the prospect of another wakeful night gave the final touch to my impatience i scribbled a note to mr thorold begging him to come down at once and sent to the orphan upstairs to deliver it he came at once quite anxious and perturbed was i ill had i had bad news was there anything he could do i motioned him to a chair and began vaguely not bad news at least a shock i've had a shock it has distressed me terribly i couldn't sleep it was mr travers i was reading to him again yesterday and he said something about mr hallett it appears that he knew him years ago mr thorold's face hardened i had seen him in almost every phase of sadness and anxiety but never with that flash in the eye that sternness of the lips his voice was cold and sharp travers indeed and what had travers to say nothing good if i know the man he-he spoke of mr hallet's wife and you were not aware that he had a wife it is an old story miss hardings an old sore is it necessary to tell one's whole life history to-to uh, an acquaintance no no of course not don't think me presumptuous and inquisitive i should never have mentioned it if i had not a reason a good reason have i ever seemed to pry into your affairs he softened at that never never you have been all that is tactful all that is kind i i do trust you miss harding but this affair of hallett's gets me on the raw he has suffered tortures i have seen his suffering and i can't help feeling bitter against that woman she left him that's what you heard i suppose yes and so soon it was a tragedy indeed "'Mr. Thorold, will you answer just one question? "'It can do no harm. "'It can give away no secrets. "'What was her Christian name?' "'He looked at me keenly for a moment "'and then said quietly, Charmian. "'I lay back in my chair and shut my eyes. "'Never in my life have I fainted, "'but I think I must have come very near it then. "'Everything turned black.' for a moment my very heart seemed to stop mr thorold's voice sounded far away as he cried anxiously you are ill faint i'll open the window give you more air then with an eagerness which could not be suppressed you know her hallett's wife is it possible you've met her or or have you only heard his anxiety made his voice shake he was as much overcome as i was myself for six years he added tragically six years he has searched the world i i know a charmian she left her husband it may be a coincidence but it seems strange she had good cause oh i don't deny it enough to alienate any woman i don't wonder at her going at first but but it was cruel to give him no chance to explain it was about money he pretended to love her for herself to know nothing about her fortune and afterwards a letter came that is my Charmian story is it his yes yes this is a wonderful thing that the discovery should have come through you and that you should have appealed to me of all people the only man on his side who can tell you the truth is it coincidence miss harding i clasped my hands to still their trembling better than coincidence it is providence we've prayed for them you and i for the friends we love most and now now it seems as if through us oh mr thorold explain explain you believe in him still yet you confess that he was wrong what explanation can he give i love hallet he said solemnly like a brother more than a brother i believed him to be at this moment the best man i know we were at school together he was the only son of a wealthy man until he was twenty-one he was brought up in an atmosphere of such luxury as we in england can hardly imagine americans are fond of going one better than the rest of the world in some cases the extravagance of their moneyed classes amounts to profligacy hallet's father was a notorious example for many years Then just as edward came of age there was a colossal smash he lost everything practically fretted himself to death left the lad to fight his own way to expect the boy to understand economy after such an upbringing was preposterous he literally did not understand the value of money he got into debt more and more deeply into debt as the years went on i am not defending him as blameless of course he should have pulled up faced the worst and started afresh but i do say that it was a hard test and that he had many excuses i nodded ideas of economy like most other ideas are comparative i have never known fabulous riches but i should manage badly as a poor woman up to this point i could sympathise with edward hallet Mr. Thorold continued eagerly. Well, just when matters were at their worst, a casual acquaintance happened to speak of a young English heiress, and it occurred to Edward for the first time that marriage might cut the knot. He arranged to meet the girl. It was a deliberate plan. Oh, I see you have heard her story. But what she evidently did not, would not understand was that when they did meet, he fell in love with her. For herself she was his mate his ideal the one woman in the world who had power to awake his best self to make him selfless and in earnest about life he was overcome with shame at the remembrance of his own scheming at one time he believed it to be his duty to punish himself by leaving her without saying a word but his passion was too strong and circumstances hurried on the marriage her aunt died yes she told me oh but why did he pretend why didn't he tell her that he knew about the money his face fretted into lines he looked terribly distressed ah that hits me hard he wrote to me miss harding we had kept up a correspondence in intervals since our school days and he had an exaggerated faith in my advice his conscience was torturing him he put the whole case to me should he tell her should he confess he hated the idea of marrying under false pretences on the other hand he hated as any lover would hate to lower her opinion perhaps to plant the seeds of future suspicions her silence as to her own wealth seemed to show that she had dreaded a mercenary love that it was sweet to her to feel that he was in ignorance he guessed that she was storing up the news as a sweet secret to be revealed to her husband well as i say he put the whole case before me and i i advised him to keep silent he had wronged her in intent, but not in deed, for no man could love more deeply, more disinterestedly, than he then loved her. Every word proved that. It was a wonderful letter, written straight from the heart. I interrupted in breathless haste. Have you got it? Did you keep it? Can you find it now? To my unspeakable relief, he nodded his head. I can. It's not often that I keep letters, but this was an exception i was naturally anxious about giving the right advice i put the letter in my pocketbook to read and re-read then just the day before the wedding i caught a chill was in bed for a month with pleurisy the first news i heard on getting up was that she had gone at once i thought of the letter and was thankful i kept it i locked it away in my safe i felt that some day when she was found later on I wrote to her lawyers and tried to bully them into giving me her address. I meant to send it to her myself and force her to believe. But they swore that they knew no more than I did myself. Liars. No, it was true. She was ill for months, in bed, absolutely cut off. Oh, well he shrugged helplessly we were all at cross purposes it seems i believed that they were lying and would continue to lie i never tried them again but the letter is there in my safe and it is his best witness miss harding where is she how do you come to know her she's in italy she's coming home to me she's my friend we we live together not here but in the country we share a house he stared i realized how incongruous the arrangement must appear i realized something else too and that was that the time had come when to this man at least miss harding must show herself in her true colors charmian must hurry home i must wire to demand her presence happiness was waiting for her and not one day one hour should the darling wait in ignorance the dreary little flat was about to become the scene of blissful reconciliation of a new radiance of life and hope it was not conceivable that i could mar the sacredness of such a time by masquerading in an assumed character as mr thorold was bound to know it would simplify arrangements if he knew at once. I jumped up, tingling with excitement, almost too impatient to speak. "'Mr. Thorold, this is a most adventurous afternoon. I have something to tell you about myself. It will explain how it comes about that Charmian and I... Wait for me here for a quarter of an hour. I'll come back. But there is something I must do first. You'll understand when I come back. Please wait.' i hurried out rang for bridget ordered her to get rid of the orphan and come back to help the wardrobe was pulled from beneath the bed off came the spectacles and wig my face was washed free from the disfiguring marks my hair was coiled a dainty blue gown slipped over my head the quarter of an hour grew into a half the sound of pacing footsteps sounded through the wall I laughed slipped my feet into satin slippers and threw open the drawing-room door he had his back towards me at that moment he wheeled round started stared made a curious jerking bow his face showed no sign of recognition only surprise and a veiled impatience mr thorold i believe i said smiling his forehead knitted into lines he stared more closely billy's father i believe i said smiling more broadly the man who ate up my sandwiches oh you 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 minx he gasped loudly oh it was gloriously amusing edward hallet and charmian were nowhere for the moment he could do nothing but gasp and stare walk round me "'Examine me from one point of view and then another. "'Gasp and exclaim again. "'You, you, you are Miss Harding? "'Miss Harding was you? "'Am I dreaming or is this real life? "'How did you do it? "'Why did you do it? But, "'But your mouth is a different shape. "'This beats anything I ever knew. "'You used to look round-shouldered. "'Why? 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 "'How could you be so mad?' then i made him sit down and told him the whole story from the beginning and like everyone else he disapproved violently at first and then by slow degrees came round to my own point of view like bridget he wanted to know why i couldn't play fairy godmother to the mansions with my own face but when i asked him if i could have done so much for him he acknowledged hastily that i could not his expression half horrified half shy spoke more eloquently than his words no you see it would not have worked old miss harding had a pull over evelyn wastneys my name is evelyn wastneys by the way but that is a secret between us for the moment and i am charmion fane's friend just as you are edward hallett's and the good good god is going to give us the joy of seeing them happy together again. Mr. Thorold. they have both been to blame. They have both had a share in spoiling their own lives. We won't give them another chance. You and I, as staid, level-headed outsiders, are going to stage-manage their reconciliation. How are we going to manage it? Listen, I said. Listen. It's a queer world. It's a very queer world. People have said so before but i wished to say it again to shout it aloud at the pitch of my voice hardly had i changed back into miss harding and finished my evening meal when a knock came to the door and there entered mrs travers furious she had returned from her day in the country had seen her husband that afternoon had heard from his lips what i had dared to think and to say if she had been defending a homing dove, she could not have been more outraged, more aflame. She wished me to understand, once and for all, that for the future no communication, no acquaintance of any kind, was possible between us. She would pass me by in the street without a glance. Oh, very well. End of chapter 24